I guess one of the questions I had coming in here is whether or not you actually believed the stuff you're saying. This is this university is just it's just becoming painful. Yeah. No, okay, it's... let's go. Let's do this. This is awesome. I'm your host, Lydia Albrecht, and this is the Juxtaposition Podcast. Today in the studio, I'm joined with Callum Ingram with the Political Science Department at UNR who specializes in political theory. I'm Callum Ingram. I am a professor of political science here at the University of Nevada, Reno. Uh, avid cyclist. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk sports today, hopefully a little bit, you know. And uh, also just a very, very excited to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. And Joey Gilbert, a local Reno attorney who specializes in conspiracy theories. Oh, He's also running for governor in 2022 of the great state of Nevada. And hello, I'm Joey Gilbert, a lawyer and a professional prize fighter, and actually was alumni of the year back in 2007. Actually running for governor of this great state, uh, trying to get things back on track, and so here we are. what's to come. If you actually agree with them, I just feel bad for you. I feel bad for the people you follow. <laughs> Trick is, I think with a lot of the science you're listening to, is that like good judgment would help you realize that in fact it's actually bad science. You're very crafty. I like what you're doing here. Thank you. If so you this, don't this agree is what you brought them, me on here for? No. Is this what you brought me on here for? I didn't bring you anywhere. Because that's... This was an absolute blindsided no, bunch didn't you of agree hogwash. To agree? You, didn't you agree to crazy. come on a podcast called Juxtapositions to have a conversation well, with someone you disagree I mean, with? Listen, man. Like, I've been sitting here listening listen, to you I'm, spare I, sharing you know your what? opinions. Listen, the listen, last to me, thing I'm, listen to me share my opinion. The, the, the last Can thing you I'm listen, ever going to do. Please? My original intention with this podcast was to have a legitimate conversation with educated individuals about our values and beliefs, even though they might conflict with each other. When Joey showed up 40 minutes late, I knew that the reality of the conversation was going to be different. When I think of individuals who are lawyers and doctors, I view them to be reasonable people who are well-educated and well-established within our communities because of the legitimate education that they have worked towards. But once I started having a conversation with Joey Gilbert... ...to keep a mask on their child, they would have been prosecuted for child abuse. Fact. At the end of the day, following the science, I do not believe that masks should be worn in any scenario, unless, of course, you're in a healthcare scenario or a healthcare setting. Should we jump back in? Are we good? Yeah, we cool. Are all Fab. Yeah. I, I really appreciate, you know, I think the stress on science, I think, is interesting and definitely worthwhile. I think the skepticism of scientists of the medical industry, of for-profit pharmaceuticals, of a federal government that has a long history of using medical science to manipulate people and populations, absolutely justified. I really respect thinking skeptically. I really respect bringing a high degree of critical thinking to important medical decisions. I think that's fantastic. Unfortunately, though, the big part of skepticism is also having the capacity to judge right from wrong. This is one of the classic kind of questions in my own field, political science. You know, you have to take in all the facts, like them, dislike them, and then you have to have the capacity for critical judgment. Trick is, I think, with a lot of the science you're listening to is that, like, good judgment would help you realize that, in fact, it's actually bad science. So some of the people that you've appeared with in videos, on podcasts, people like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who made the point that if you get vaccinated, your body actually becomes magnetic. 
She claimed that you can stick a pen or a spoon to the side of your face after you get vaccinated, that it will stay there because of the vaccine. Uh, let's see, we have folks like Charlie Ward, who you've appeared with before, who not only implies that the vaccine is demonic, but also that it'll lead you to be controllable by 5G towers. And that you sat on podcasts with these people and agreed with them. You didn't even have the strength and the kind of courage to either stand up to the fact that they're obviously wrong, or you're so credulous and your judgment is so bad that you actually agree with them. If you actually agree with them, I just feel bad for you. I feel bad for the people you follow. <laughs> so they're studying things and they have access to things I don't have access to. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but eight of these doctors were nominated for Nobel Peace Prizes for their work mm -hmm. during this coronavirus pandemic. Well, as you know, also Barack Obama was nominated for Nobel Peace Prize uh, and actually again, received it. So I think that probably okay. shows that it's a totally meaningless award well, to receive. Well, again, that depends <laughs> on how you feel about Barack Obama. But Pretty I mean, bad. at the end of the day... <laughs> Are you um, into him? Do you think that the fact that he won the Nobel Peace Prize is a good thing? I think, listen, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Barack Obama, but I do think he did a lot of good Probably things. Not and he did Really? Tell me about the good things. things he did. You know, I mean, I just think that in general, you know, he I liked his positive, you know, um, demeanor. I liked that he tried to, you know, not, you know, I'm, I'm as much as I am a fan of President Trump. There's certain things he said um, during the, the during his presidency where I just thought god that wasn't necessary you know it just is going to create more issues than mm -hmm. than was necessary and i think you know brock if anything he he walked a, a tighter line That's true. he didn't say certain things that were necessary that didn't inflame people i'm about that i think sometimes you got to call stuff out other times you don't why is this vaccine even necessary this is from the cdc's website covid19 vaccines can help prevent new variants from emerging as it spreads the virus has more opportunities to change High vaccination coverage in a population reduces the spread of the virus and helps prevent new variants from emerging. It might be whatever. I'm not sure. Again, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm sorry. I don't believe any of the healthcare workers that have an agenda. And any doc, I, again, man, we could sit here and argue about it all day, but I've got whistleblowers from every hospital, including the Southern Nevada Health District, that have been telling me and showing me numbers that are completely different. And again, we could sit there and argue about it all day. I know what I know. You guys would yeah. know what you know. You're asking, you're asking the wrong question to the wrong guy. That's okay, the problem. Well, you know, I'm just it's saying. like saying like a, you know, a pediatrician should understand. Like, very few oncologists understand the true chemistry of every kind of treatment that they apply. That's not what doctors do. But anyways, I okay. do think something that's kind of worth thinking about here is like the real tragedy. This is kind of, I think, a difficulty with this sort of masks-based debate that you've profited so much from propagating in the state of Nevada and around I profited? The yes, you're making money. You and all the people you're working with, America's I, Frontline Doctors, one of the major corporate interests. I'm making a dime off it. It's a highly astroturfed organization. We know that. But anyway, so not, this is I'm one not, of the things no, 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 not, you won't get away with that. Often. I'm not making any money off them. When we were on break, he told us that he was on salary with the corporation. Unfortunately, <laughs> despite what you're saying right now, yeah that there are issues going on with 5G and reacting to whatever is in this. I don't know what's in it. Again, I, maybe you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've seen the insert pack. No one else has. No one else knows what's in these ingredients of these uh, vaccines. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Um, Ryan Cole, who's our medical director for America's Frontline Doctors, mm -hmm. has tested this yeah. and has helped. But what COVID has allowed and what I think this conversation about masks is distracting us from is the massive concentration of wealth and the widespread economic suffering in the United States that has resulted from the COVID-19 hysteria that has been propagated around questions of vaccines and masks. It's hard facing different perspectives. I guess one of the questions I had coming in here is whether or not you actually believed the stuff you're saying. And I think you do. Oh, I, definitely I really do. do. I think you believe the stuff you say about the vaccine. 
vaccine is probably the most dangerous. And again, it's funny you say that because you know that that's helpful to know and helpful to recognize. Because I think one of the kind of big questions that I and a lot of folks who kind of listen to this rhetoric have is like, God, can they actually believe that? And the answer they absolutely can. Yeah. Joey continues to weaponize straw man arguments. If you don't know what a straw man argument, it is an informal fallacy of having the impression of refuting an argument, whereas the real subject of the argument was not addressed or refuted, but instead replaced with a false one. Here is an example of Joey's response with a straw man argument. Question it and step back. And then you look community-wide, look at the black community who overwhelmingly has always been suspect to the government. 80% of the black community is not vaccinated. Like the professor said here, you're nuts, you know, you, you know, you're, you're out there, you know, propagating stuff that's not true. And then I've had people say, come up and say, thank you for what you've done. All the things that South Korea did, China did, Japan did, mm-hmm. France did. Mm-hmm. I think we should have done stuff like that. We didn't do it. And that's the issue I have. Yeah. I mean, I think South Korea, France and China are interesting examples because being able to pull something out off like that requires a really robust public infrastructure requires spending on public health and requires sort of a social solidarity that I think the sort of politics of division, the kind of conservative politics of underfunding our government, our lack of faith in a public health care system undercuts our ability to do. You know, you've seen the numbers big farmers making. I certainly would agree that corporations should not be profiting off of the vaccine. That should be publicly controlled by the government. We should probably federalize the pharmaceutical industry. I think that that would be something that would benefit everybody. Would you agree with that? I don't know about that. I don't trust the government. Yeah, I mean, I don't trust the government either, but I don't trust corporations either. It's almost like we need to think outside of the current way that we organize our state and the profit-oriented healthcare system. Probably could agree that's what allowed China. That's what it was allowed Vietnam. That's what it's allowed France to be able to successfully deal with this in a way that a country like the United States, which is so atomized, individualized, profit-driven with a government that is pretty much entirely motivated by animosity, greed, and yeah, the desire to spread fear, because no one's going to be easier to control than a terrified population. Back to me accusing Joey Gilbert of being an anti-vaxxer. First of all, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've served in our military. I've had every vaccine Mm -hmm. up to the coronavirus vaccine. I think the government should have just been straight with people. And I think it's because the pressure they put on, but I think you actually would have probably ended up with more people getting the vaccine if there wasn't such disinformation out there, never seen in the history of our country such a marketing effort engaged at getting everybody vaccinated. Worldwide, there has been over 5.1 million deaths because of COVID-19. I would argue that the United States government is marketing the vaccine to combat misinformation because you are profiting off of the spreading of misinformation. You are profiting off of fear. And so I think it's probably something we would agree with, that we need to put a lot more money and a lot more collective effort into seeing this as a shared fight and working together to develop shared resources for addressing things like the pandemic. We need to have a really healthy skepticism of the entire American political culture and economic culture, social culture's ability to address something like a pandemic because we are so atomized, so individualized, and so selfish and skeptical of one another. And so I guess that turns like into this question, like, how do we build that solidarity? China, China sucks. Like there's a lot of things, like, we can both agree that like we don't want to live in China probably, but they do do some things right. And so how can we learn from like their ability to address something like this or South Korea or France's ability to deal with something like a pandemic? And I think it does start with rebuilding faith in public institutions, bringing some integrity to government, 
bringing some public resources to like the project of like working together to address health crises. I think that's something that we can both agree on. Unfortunate thing is I really think all of this fear mongering about masks ends up creating the division and skepticism that stops our ability to actually build that solidarity. So like I come from a family, my mom is a public school teacher and my dad, he's a construction worker, but now he has cancer. Because he has cancer, he wasn't able to get the vaccine for a long time. But because my dad has cancer and can't work, my mom had to stay working in the public schools. One of the great things about having the students be vaccinated and having the students wear masks is something that it means that my mom is statistically less likely to bring the disease home to my father and kill my father because he is exactly in that 2% where he has a very, very high risk of dying of COVID. And in a place with a functional sense of society, social solidarity and care for each other, we could recognize that that sacrifice kids wearing masks, if we take away all the fear that we surround that with, because it's just a mask. It's not something that cuts well, I mean, that's that. if you believe the masks work, and that's they if you They do. Also, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I believe science. Okay. So, and and, and you know, that's, that's fine. Again, I do believe that you said that was one takeaway that's important, is that the fear-mongering hurt a lot in mm -hmm. terms of people working collectively. And I'm uh, with you on the corporate greed, on mm -hmm. the, the, the profiting. There's no way that these companies should... They're going to make a trillion dollars. I mean, that should, again, I don't know where it goes, maybe back to the university systems, maybe back to studying, maybe yeah. back to, to, the, to, to work projects. I don't know. But definitely it shouldn't be that Moderna and Pfizer's you know, owners now are now on the top, top of Forbes. I mean, I don't think that helps any of us in this pandemic. Particularly when our taxpayer dollars, the ones that are paying for the foundations Absolutely. of the research in the first place. It's, yeah, I think publicly owned big pharma. Something yeah, we weirdly might agree some's on. Gotta, some's got to change there. I do not agree with that. And yeah. I agree that they, when you also find out that Big Pharma is behind the fact checkers, when you find out they literally own the fact checkers, they've been the ones putting out the fact checking, that scares me. Again, I'm all for robust d debate and discussion. We could sit and argue all day over for what's sure. what, no problem. But when they censor board certified doctors, if they're gonna even censor his opinion, it's not fair. This is America. People should be allowed to think for themselves. If I, they want to think I'm crazy and I'm a tinfoil hat conspiracy <laughs> theorist, that's their, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. But you should have the ability to look at a few different studies and say, you know what? I'm going to make a decision for myself. This information is from the CDC's website. The vaccine does not interfere with 5G towers. New variants of a virus happen because the virus that causes COVID-19 constantly changes through a natural ongoing process of mutation. No, COVID-19 vaccines do not contain microchip. No, receiving a COVID-19 vaccine will not make you magnetic, including at the site of vaccination. No, COVID-19 vaccines do not change or interact with your DNA in any way. listening to Juxtapod. Let's have a conversation. We just wrapped up a conversation about the COVID-19 pandemic and we're moving on to how are Republicans able to make an argument that bodily autonomy is so important for mask wearing, but bodily autonomy is not important regarding a woman's right to choose if she is going to reproduce or not. The abortion ban in Texas is insane. We've seen a 130% increase in abortions in the state of Nevada due to it because individuals are traveling from Texas to Nevada to be able to access abortion. Once we finally start talking about abortion, Joey Gilbert, who says that he is pro-life, starts 
arguing and pussyfooting around being pro-choice. Well, I mean, I, I don't think the you know, no one's getting a choice on the mask or the vaccines. Mm -hmm. Those are being mandated everywhere. So whether you want to take one off or not, um, that's, well, I mean, I you're not wearing you. a mask right now. So like technically you do legitimately, you are making a choice right now to not wear it. None of us are getting upset with you over not wearing it, even though it is mandated on the campus to wear one inside. <laughs> yeah, but see, then we go to that mandate word and mm -hmm. me, you know, not believing in mandates and mm -hmm. whatnot. So again, so then um, why would you believe in a mandate to restrict women's I don't, I, bodies? I, I, well, you're jumping ahead there. Um, I don't believe in it. I do think that, you know, look, different states make different laws. I do think that when you've got the, um, you know, I'm not completely familiar on the Texas law, although some said about some of the heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Six in, weeks. Six weeks. Um, which is about one or two missed periods for a woman. Yeah. And so, again, let, look, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I already told you guys I don't want to be painted into a corner. Let me just say this. Um, I do not agree with the, you know, abortion, you know, in the final weeks, okay? Like when it's, you know, you're either going to go have the baby that day or while you're there, you're going to have it. Again, we are not talking about women who are 90 weeks pregnant going and trying to access abortion. We're talking about women who cannot access abortion after six weeks, which again is about one or two missed periods. I think that there's got to be, and, and I think the answer is, um, that there has to be so much more done mm -hmm. for women's health. Women's bodies are completely different than men. Okay, when are we going to stop playing this game? There's so much money spent. It's not a one. It's not one solution to either. I think there should be so much more done for women that might want to have a child, that might want to put it up for adoption, that might. But I again, and I'm and I'm sure the uh, the you know whoever it is on the Republican side will will want to you know you know put me on the firing squad for this. Mm -hmm. But if some woman is facing medical issues or has been raped or is just in a position where this is not the best situation for her, mm -hmm. I don't believe anyone should be telling her. And I also don't agree that by outlawing it, what are you going to do? You're going to send them into back alleys. You're going to send them to unsafe procedures. You're going to send them. So I think it needs to be one of the furthest options down the, mm -hmm. the, ch the list. But I happen to know a lot of women that have said, if I would have kept it, if I had more of this, I would have done this if I would have done that. You know, and I think that if we could use the same amount of monies and, and funding to provide women with prenatal care and, and child care and everything, mm -hmm. you'd see a lot more mothers. Now, would that still end it? We had 9,000 abortions in Nevada last year. There, despite what anybody might see, say, we don't have 9,000 families lining up for adoption. OK, but I think you're forcing women into two terrible choices, mm -hmm. you know, having this and having a child and then having to suffer, you know, and the child be, you know, being a situation that's not the best or, you know, being forced to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. I just think, again, we'll go to this freedom of choice thing mm -hmm. on that bodily integrity part. I mm -hmm. will say this. I am pro-life. I would reject any, you know, future pro-abortion legislation that doesn't. I'm not. And again, mm -hmm. because I'm always listening to very smart people that I might, that are on both sides. Trust me, I got a couple communist friends like this gentleman here, <laughs> and I think they're crazy in a lot of the stuff, but there's some stuff I say, you know what, man? That does make sense, and I, and I would say, look, I would veto any pro-abortion legislation that doesn't come with some stuff saying, but if this, but if this, but mm -hmm. if this, and again, I think that that's the way to, to be a human. 
I mean, you got to be, you got to have some compassion here. No matter how you feel, doesn't mean that you should force some woman mm -hmm. into something. But again, it's a very, very, you know, um, sensitive subject that you have to kind of, you know, work across. And I think that working with community leaders, churches, parents, you know, children in general and young children, young adults, and teaching them the responsibility, you know, of, you know, of making decisions and being better informed. I think if this country spent the kind of money that we spent on all the other nonsense, into helping you know young adults learn responsibly and be able to make better decisions and provide them with options we wouldn't be in the situation we are so that's my answer to that and again i'm not gonna get into way into the whole deal of uh, preventing anybody from anything and i think that the um, texas abortion law is is what they've done in texas hmm. i'm sure it's going to be revisited and probably eventually lose and again i have no intention as a governor to do anything with Roe versus Wade, to to provide anything other than, like I said, better options and and resources and just availability to all. Callum, what are your thoughts on the Texas abortion ban? I mean, the Texas abortion law is wild. You know, like the idea that you can basically like whistleblow or take somebody to court on behalf of the fetus mm -hmm. and things like that, and. All yeah, of a sudden, that's... it ends up being this game where it's like, if you're the Uber driver who takes somebody to the abortion clinic, you're criminally liable mm -hmm. under, like, Texas, the Texas law. And, like, that's... Finally, we're moving on to mining in Nevada. Thacker Pass is a fast-tracked lithium mine in northern Nevada. Another situation where I think, yeah, we might find ourselves, well, neither of us has the blueprint for the solution, I think find ourselves in agreement that a private, profit-motivated, corporate energy sector is something that ultimately ends up doing harm to our yeah, ability to sustain a truly democratic system where folks can sort of shuffle in and out, where new ideas can be introduced, where we can create a planet that will be livable for your 11-year-old daughter, that'll be livable for my children. We know Absolutely. that they'll be able to handle planet down to their children that will also be livable, that this kind of corporate privatized system of energy production is something that is going to destroy the planet and destroy democracy. Part of the reason that we're dealing with this climate thing is you, if you want to know my real solution to that is, and this will crack you up, term limits. Okay, is that as crazy <laughs> as that sounds? Because you think, well, no. Well, go look at who's been greenlighting these mm -hmm. things and who mm -hmm. holds all the power. Diane Feinstein. All right, come on, Professor. You gotta, you gotta at least help me out here. Oh so God, Chuck, Diane Feinstein Chuck, is. Chuck Grassley. Yeah. <laughs> Diane Feinstein. Um, that means we all have to do more. You know, mm -hmm. is a is a is a worldwide. You know, and again, you know, I'm huge on green energy for sure. I think mm -hmm. that we should do as much as we can in that area. And so, you know, I don't know what the answer is mm -hmm. outside of what we could do here. And again, you know, President Trump, you know, uh, green-lighted fracking. And then it wasn't until actually a friend of mine on the other side was like, dude, you know fracking does this with methane and you know these mm -hmm. methane. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't really realize that. So I guess now I'm against fracking in a way, which, <laughs> yeah. which would probably make some people not happy with me. But at the same time, I think you got to have a backbone. You know, what's yeah. missing in this country right now is, is moral courage. I'm aware of that. So yep. very, very aware of that. What's your stance on it? Oh, man, you know, again, that's <laughs> coming into the whole geopolitical, you know, situation in this in this state. You know, you know, those materials out there are very much coveted. We have mm -hmm. them. Um, the mine's already been approved for the most part. Right. But it was fast tracked through 
the same type of fast tracking which electricity is fast tracked through mm. so do you view electricity you and lithium mining to be the same respectively well, what about the fast tracking of the vaccine mm. <laughs> i mean whenever they need something they fast track it right but i'm not talking like we you know we talk about the vaccine <laughs> saying, i'm like, trying they, to talk they, about like electricity enough, versus there's a catch-22 mm -hmm. you know they need this material um do i want to see land or people displaced no but at the same time, um, you know, it is an industry that, again, I could sit here all day and say I'm going to stop it. I don't think we could stop it. I really don't think anybody could stop what's what's headed down the track with this because of the infrastructure and money already spent to get this thing mm -hmm. where it's at. I would then try and say, what could we do to make sure that the things that you just talked about don't occur? And how can we get in front of those things and provide the resources, technology, support staff to make sure it doesn't displace or affect you know, a population out there? I also happen to know where this mine is, and there's not a whole lot out there. Um, there is a tribe out there. I understand that. but Green capitalism is taking a vase and shattering it and then trying to glue back the pieces and argue that it is the same vase. Sure. You know, I, I, I'll i say that right now, just like we've done with some of the, you know, Indian and first, mm -hmm. as we like to call them, First Nations, you know, working with Canada and stuff. Some of these First Nation proposals, if you look at places like Canada, they, I think they've done things a better way with their First Nations. And those are the indigenous populations that were here prior. Mm -hmm. And I think that absolutely, you know, they, they should all be making something off. It's their land. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there. It's going to affect them. And and let's talk about like what a small percentage of that could do for them right. that could fix the entire deal. And again, if it's if it's spent right, if it's not just flowing to tribal leaders and the pockets, but if it's really going to go to affect the tribe, build some schools and some clinics and maybe some, you know, learning institutions or universities out there, I'd love to see it for, mm -hmm. for sure. And again, maybe that's where we can get in together and say, hey, how can so Lithium America, the company that has in the contract um is based in canada actually not surprised yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's usually canada or south south america right or right or south africa also the amount of lithium that we have already mined compared to uh tried to have recycled is not matching up so there are other options regarding just fast tracking an entire mine like we could try to recycle the lithium that's already been mined <laughs> I hate using the term communist for myself because it has certain, we'll say, connotations that are negative and for a good reason. But the thing I do, I like about communism, the thing I find exciting about it is it's about imagining things. It's not about being trapped in the past. It's about imagining a different future. Say what you will about it. The reason, like, having a conversation with the communists is kind of interesting because they've got real weird takes on stuff. They really think about things differently. It's one of the things that I chase and love about it. And while there are deep problems with it, we can call it whatever we want. We can call it... Uh, I don't know, peopleism, something like that. Populism, how about? Um, we start thinking in those terms, you start seeing the way that like, as we've, talk, we've re arrived at this over the course of this conversation. So the entire medical industry, big pharma, hospitals, ought not be controlled by the profit motive. Insurance 100%. companies ought not be controlled by the profit motive. 100%. Energy production ought not be controlled 100%. by the profit motive. Waste disposal ought not be controlled by the profit motive. Natural resource extraction ought not be controlled by the profit motive. Because when we let the profit motive control things, the first thing that suffers is democracy, the people's will, the people's good. And so I don't know. I, don't, I sure as hell don't want to just do what Stalin did. Like, to hell with that guy, evil, bad. Bury him in the dust can, can of history. I wish he'd never existed. But I think we can agree. We need to get really creative. And this is why I call myself a communist. Is because it, 
gives me an opportunity to be really creative and thinking about alternative ways of I think organizing. You should call yourself these a creatist. Creatist. How about that? How about well, yeah. What's like what's entrepreneur but less capitalist? Creatist. A dreamer. I'm a dreamer. You could say we're dreamers. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but you know, and I think that that's the cool thing, and this is the exciting thing, and like the good thing about these conversations is like there is this huge agreement that like yeah, the system's not working. Profit motivation is the core of what's rotting our politics, rotting our country, pitting us against one another rather than getting us to work together against the real enemies. And once we start having that conversation, we can start getting yeah, creative a little bit. Let's think for outside sure. the profit motive. It doesn't need to be Stalin, for God's sakes. Like, let's not do that. Let's do something really actually interesting and original that actually fits our ideals and is accountable to the people. And that's going to require, yeah, taking a huge amount of power away from the corporations and putting these things in control of the people. That's the core of my politics. We can agree or disagree about vaccines, whatever. I don't, you know, that's, that's one conversation. Masks, it's another conversation. But the profit motive and the way it's destroying democracy, I think that's something we agree on. And that's a real place where we could actually have like a real new conversation about what the future could look like. We don't have to be trapped. And I think that's just so exciting. of the Juxtaposition podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Albrecht. Thanks for listening and leave a comment below of what you thought.